0: We don't think that's stress-proof enough in the current environment, but if you can raise the amount of money that's coming in, then we'll lend more against it. And that's exactly how they would look at a business. Hey folks, this is Michael Veazey from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic.
1: Hope you enjoy the show. Okay, we haven't talked about, I think, probably one of the most delicious aspects of this whole Uh, topic. And that is the question about valuation. So
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think people
1: who are listening to this conversation are probably waiting for us to hear what the lender's points of view or perspective are on e-commerce business valuation. So in your conversations with all these guys, did you get any new insights? I mean, we have rules of thumb and kind of generalities that we could talk through. And I'm happy to kind of use those as a starting point. For example, mm. frequently, if you look industry-wide, you can say that, you know, valuation of an e-commerce business is going to be some multiple of... Now, you used EBITDA, which is a more technical term, but I think what people like Roland Fraser or other acquisition experts talk about is seller discretionary earnings. Yeah. where you have basically... So let's basically talk your, about that. Well, yeah. Yeah. So... So let me just do the multiple thing, and then we can unpack it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have seller discretionary earnings out of your business, that means all of the, all the money you can take out of it as the owner. Let's say that's a hundred grand, and then then you've got the hundred grand is the starting point upon which a multiple would be applied, and that multiple, depending on the you know type of business, might be somewhere between just you know back of the envelope. Three and five times or something like that. Three and seven times. It depends. But in that range is what's a plausible, realistic, you know, kind of valuation method. Now, another valuation method that I know people have used is if there are businesses that are good businesses that are growing, that are exciting, but they're not focused on profit. Then another multiple I've heard is one time annual sales. You know, so if it makes a million bucks in top line, is it worth a million bucks? Now, that maybe is totally wrong. I don't know. But any insights or thoughts on uh, this from the lender's point of view, Michael? Wow. So much to say.
0: Let me simplify this as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, and Roland Frazier, because I've followed some of his training, thanks thanks to your recommendation. Very, very interesting, Um, is differentiates between the businesses value based on the SDE versus EBITDA. And the difference is really simple without falling down rabbit holes about how you define this stuff. Seller discretionary earnings is relevant for an owner operated business. And the reason mm-hmm. that's absolutely critical is very simply this. That I don't want to buy businesses where I operate them. I want to have, I don't want my personal money and I don't want my personal time over involved in these deals. I want to be good at uh, the specific acquisition, strategic growth, bolting on selling. I don't want to get involved in that. So. Many buyers will feel the same. Many buyers will be happy to operate it. But the, therefore, the market for a business where you have to operate it yourself is smaller than the market for a bigger one. Or if somebody is going to buy it for one that has that op- got management in place, they're going to have to pay for the management, which really reduces the the bottom line, right? Because you've got to pay for the manager's salary. So the SDE kind of blends together the idea of are operating itself. EBITDA traditionally yeah. is used for businesses yeah. where you're paying mm-hmm. for somebody to manage it. Hence why mm-hmm. there's a difference. So that's a Good bit points. squishy because it depends yeah. who's buying it. But I would say there is a lower value if you're multiplying the SDE than mm-hmm. if you're multiplying even uh, with, with the manager in place.
1: And so it make makes maximize. sense because if you're looking at a business, the first question is who's going to do all the work? You know? Yes. <laughs> well, am I buying a job or am I buying a company? And if you're buying, you know, it's always somewhere in between, you're going to be responsible as a senior manager, but are you going to be, you know, basically replacing the operator? Now, if you buy a business that's built on a technical operator and you are assuming that person's position in the, in the business, you just have to realize that you've got to pay yourself a living reasonable wage. Like, let's say that's a $120,000 a year position. Well, that person's value of that business, they really, with respect to their own logic and their own profit and loss statement, should have a slot in their W-2 line for their, their, you know, salaries. Yes. That says fair salary for the CEO, $120,000. Exactly. That's and an 120, expense in the business, you know? I'd so, be quite generous for a lot of the smaller business I mean, mm-hmm. out there.
0: Depends what the going rate is. But that's the point is you need to look up what a going rate is. Now, yeah. you could argue that that's not necessary. And, and you know, the truth is, for example, I'm working with the client right now who's acquiring a business He's going to own and operate it himself. But I'm pointing out to him that that's fine, but there is an opportunity cost yeah. to you doing that because you're right. not doing something over here. And therefore, that has to be accounted for in the valuation. Yeah. So yeah. you can go down rabbit holes and say, that's not SDE. That's not EBITDA. Well, okay, mm-hmm. let's call it adjusted earnings. What are we adjusted for? Somebody has to manage the business. That is right. a financial value, either a hard yeah. cost because you're paying somebody. If I buy an mm. Amazon business, I ain't going to get stuck talking to seller central all because I hate mm. that. I know what it's like. I'm competent enough to do it because I'm experienced enough to know that it's horrible when it goes wrong. So I will hire people to do that. And I know roughly what the cost of that would be. I'll get an agency in or people that I know, and yeah. I need to account for that. I wouldn't personally buy the business. Now, yeah. this guy that I'm talking to would buy the business, which is why he's brought me in to help advise him on how to structure yeah. it. But the market for that business is smaller because I wouldn't buy it. Therefore, the value is a bit lower. And so we have to look at that. Now, this is all just like, this is a very important sidebar. When you're coming back to the lenders and how they look at valuation, what's good about it, good and bad, is that it gives you a much more narrow window for playing with it. So this guy, for example, is, is I'm talking to is thinking of buying a certain business for a certain multiple. I won't talk about the exact deal (laughs) because I was Mm -hmm. thinking. I think I think he listens to my podcast and so is the person selling, sure. so I'm going to avoid sure. talking about that. But let's say I want to buy a business for four times EBITDA, right? And it's an yeah. Amazon business and it's making 10% a year. If the yeah. lenders look at that and the interest rate is whatever it is, 7% on the deal, 10%, whatever the interest rate is, and the repayment schedule is X, then it comes down to a payment cover question. So in other words, if you buy, a again, a buy-to-let property, more familiar situation, a rental property or, or, or real mm-hmm. estate, if you have a flat, for example, I've got a flat here, we're probably rented out for about $3,000 a month. Mm-hmm. And then the mortgage on that is going to be about $500 a month because I managed to fix it before the interest mm-hmm. rates went up. There is uh, no lender in the world who's going to really worry about that num- number. Scream and deal.
1: Amazing. Yeah, scream yeah.
0: deal. Whereas if I could rent something else, I've had another property that I've rented out for a while where I'm the interest rate cover, the interest rate is about $300 a month or the interest payment. It's a cash flow question. So the interest rate mm-hmm. technically isn't relevant. Whatever the repayment per month is, what it is, and then the cash flow from the from the tenants was only about a thousand dollars a month. One dollar terms would be about twelve hundred and three hundred respectively. That wasn't actually enough. When I went back to the lenders to get an extra loan, it happens to be a real estate idea, but it's the same yeah. idea. They said we don't think that's stress proof enough in the current environment. But if you can raise the amount of money that's coming in, then we'll lend more against it. And that's exactly how they would look at a business. So if you're trying to mm-hmm. pay an excessive multiplic- multiple, For a business and you're getting a loan to do that, the lenders will just say no, which I think is actually doing you a favor because they're stopping you from doing something that wasn't very financially valuable in the first place. Now, Mm -hmm. caveat, if you have to cover the costs of finance, obviously that's going to push the multiple down compared to if you're going to buy it for cash, you could theoretically afford to pay more. Mm-hmm. But I would argue, you know, it's like the, the what's his name, Benjamin Graham principal, you know, Warren Buffett's mentor, he says mm-hmm. that you should buy with a margin of safety when you yeah. buy you need to buy under market value. And so if you yeah. overpay for an asset, it's very hard to make a profit trying to sell it at the other end. Yeah. So I would argue well, that puts you see in the right direction. There you go. Yeah. but veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money the profit habits workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable specific and proven profit-taking actions you can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company The Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash Profit Habits.
1: So, okay, I'm still going to press you on the the specific of multiple. Is there any insight on... E-commerce business multiples. Did you hear common numbers mentioned in terms of?
0: I multiple, see what you mean. The most, no, not really. But I think that's okay. also a way of evaluating business that's a bit fluffy because what you're trying to do mm-hmm. is is evaluate something based on the market for an mm-hmm. asset that's incredibly illiquid. If there is one person, you maybe, that wants to buy somebody's business and there's nobody else who's willing to buy it, and that's often the case with small business. There mm-hmm. is no liquid valid market against which you can really benchmark sure. in any meaningful way and so I, yeah. I would evaluate each deal separately and i would just look at the run the numbers i've got a spread to that i use mm-hmm. i would run the numbers say so the inventory and the fixed assets and the real estate or property that it owns and then i would look at then you go to the lenders get some indicative financing numbers and come back and look at what i can afford to pay and you can roughly guesstimate some of this stuff yourself so many receivables you can get 80 percent loan on Inventory up to 30%, about 50% of fixed assets, 75, 80% on, on property. So you can start to roughly work out what is an actual affordable amount that you can get a loan for and not crash the business. In other words, you need normally to, to put a concrete number on it. It's not a multiple. It's, it's, uh, um, debt cover. So you need a two to one or, or you know, two X debt cover. So if you're going to be paying $50,000 a year to in repayments of loans and interest, you need to be making at least a hundred thousand in in free cash flow for that to be a viable proposition for the lenders to say yes to. So that pushes you yeah, to a pretty precise yeah. nice number, but it's not a neat, it's two times, it's three times mm-hmm. on average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So sure, it's a sure. different way of looking at things, which mm-hmm. it doesn't to say that one shouldn't go away and look at averages and so forth, but it's a lot more concrete, it pushes mm-hmm. you into much more, it's, a, it's more disciplined, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I no, I, I. I love this, man. This is so great. It's very, very interesting. I'm going to make a unique call to action to end the podcast. And that is, if you'd like to be put in touch with the um, lenders that uh, Michael has ferreted out and sourced via LinkedIn, I'm just making this up as we go, Michael, Free for feel free to correct me, but I would imagine that if people would reach out to you directly on .com website contact form, you could share with them the details of who you've talked to. I actually have a client that we work with who told me about an amazing lender that did working capital for him. And it was a beautiful process, a great deal, easy and all that. And I remember he gave me the person's name, but I didn't, you know, I don't need working capital, but, but I, you know, the, this conversation reminded me of that person. And I thought, Oh, I should be cultivating my, my uh, lender, you know, options here and I um, should remember that person's name and get it. And. So if that's a fair deal, Michael, tune it up if you want. But I think if you are willing to share these kinds of lender leads with people who are listeners, that seems like a really awesome thing to do.
0: Yeah. I guess there's no particular reason why not. There's no big downside for me unless we go after the same deal, but the chances are astronomically small of that. I think, yes, just email me is the easiest way, well, Michael, M I C H A E L at amazingfba.com. If you want to get linked to that, what I would also say has been interesting to me is working with clients. He's acquiring a business. Now he's sold his own business before in the content uh, space. And so he's a savvy operator. But what's been interesting to me is how much a lot of what we've been talking about has been a double revelation to him. I think first of all, the acquisition process. Even though he's gone through it before, there's a lot to to think through. And obviously I'm I'm learning very, very fast from a lot of good people here. So getting things to share now. And then also if you're not if you're new to a space, and in this case, obviously I I'm specialized in Amazon, private label and, and custom product businesses. There's a lot to learn there as well. So I would suggest if you reach out to me, um, let me just deal with this camera. I would suggest yeah. if you're going to reach out to me, tell me a bit more about the deal in case I can give you some advice that might save you from a horrible mistake as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is a wonderful conversation. I'm so glad that you are on this journey for your own strategies related to e-commerce and that you're sharing it with our listening community. Uh, it really is fun to learn together and to learn from each other. So appreciate you breaking it down for us. What a great set of, you know, ideas and inspirations and thoughts based on these conversations you've had. So with that, yeah. let's wrap it up. Any final commentary? Yeah. I was going to say, should I just do a quick summary if we've got sure.
0: a, a minute? Okay. So here's, here are the points. Number one, businesses value is a multiple of profits, not revenue. Number two, cash flow is king for lenders. Number three, balance sheets matter more than you think. Number four, some assets are more valuable than others. Think inventory versus real estate. Number five, your future credit card payments in your e-com store can be an asset. Thinking of you there, Jason, when I wrote that. Number six, your personal credit matters, but probably not why you think. Number seven, if you get a loan against the business, it's about the business, not you, which should be reassuring to you. You don't have millions in the bank. Number eight, your lender may say you have to give a personal guarantee, but that doesn't mean it's always true. Number nine, just as you work on lead flow in your e-com business, you should work on financial flow. To your point, Jason, cultivate the finances. Number 10, just because somebody sincerely thinks something's true does not mean that it is really important. Then side on the valuation, yes, valuation is quite squishy. A lot of it's down to negotiation. That's not really what the point we're making. But the other point I didn't get to is this, which kind of following from what I was saying about the finances, different views in it. You don't always have to put any personal money into a deal at all. I'm not saying that's easy to find, but I'd just say that there is such a thing as no money down deals as far as I know. Amazing.
1: Well, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in with us. We appreciate your support for the podcast. We will love your subscription on whatever platform you're listening on and your review, if that's possible. Like on Apple Podcasts, it's possible to do reviews there. And uh, feel free to leave comments there as well with your awesome five-star reviews, of course. And we really, really appreciate your support for the program. So with that, we'll end it. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Jason
0: veteran e-commerce operators know that net profit is the vital lifeblood of a business better a small and profitable business than a large one that earns no money the profit habits workbook is designed to give you 17 actionable specific and proven profit-taking actions you can implement them at your own pace and let the power of this trusted framework revolutionize your company the Profit Habits Workbook makes profit improvement a fast and efficient achievement. For a limited time, we are now sharing this resource with our listeners completely free with no strings attached. To download your 60-page workbook and begin your journey to a more profitable business today, just visit theecommerceleader.com forward slash Profit Habits. That was the Ecommerce Leader Podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our website, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.vecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening.